Hey everybody, it's your girl Chrissy Monroe and I'd like to welcome you to my very first podcast. This is going to be historic today. Everyone has been requesting that I start a podcast because they love all the shit I talk and everything I talk about on social media, YouTube, Instagram, etc. So here I am and you know, this podcast is going to be about a lot of different topics. I mean, nothing is, is basically off limits. <laughs> So, I'm here today with my friend and sometimes assistant, mm-hmm. Martin Stutter. Say hi, Martin. What's good, what's good, what's good? It's your boy. Introduce yourself more. Hi, listen. My name is Martin Stutter. I'm Chrissy Monroe's assistant, music producer, audio engineer, film editor, so much more, multi-talented. Yeah, and he's helping me with the podcast because I don't know shit about it, but I'm learning. So anyway, um, today, you know, I'm just going to basically, my initial podcast is going to be about me and what a lot of listeners want to know, a lot of different um, things people have asked me over time. Um, As you guys know, most of you know me from Love and Hip Hop New York season five. And then I went on to UPN nine to Comeback Kings, which is a show, uh, Produced by Ed Lover. I was on there with uh, Mr. Cheeks and Tretch from Naughty by Nature, Jermaine Hopkins. And now I'm currently writing for Hip Hop Weekly. I have my own column called Love Talk with Chrissy Monroe, which I talk about a lot of sex, dating, relationship drama, you know, all the regular real life shit um, that goes down. And they actually just made me a correspondent. So you'll be seeing me out on the red carpets a lot more interviewing different celebrities and stuff. But anyway, not to bore you, let's get into some questions, Martin. Um, These are some questions that people have asked over, God, I don't know how long, that I've never had a really chance to answer that Martin has comprised Mm -hmm. that I'm going to start answering. So this is just going to be all about me for this initial podcast until I start having guests. So go ahead. So I have a question. What is your three main goals in life? My main three goals in life at this point in time, what I haven't already accomplished, um, I guess one would be to get married and maybe have one kid. Maybe it depends if I can find someone worthy to put one up in me (laughs) because there's a lot of bums walking around. I don't want a broke baby daddy and I don't even want a baby daddy. I want to be married before I have a child. I'm very traditional. I'm Roman Catholic. I'm Italian. So, you know, I just was brought up to, um, you know, first comes love, then comes marriage and then comes the baby carriage or whatever. So I want to have a nice, good husband and somebody that will be a good father to my spawn. Um, so secondly, um, I'm, I recently founded a domestic violence organization, Survive to Thrive Global. Um, and I would love to take my foundation to different countries and set up domestic violence shelters or just educational programs where there are none. Um, and it's hard to believe in 2016 in this day and age that there really are places that have no resources for people that are going through domestic violence. So I'd like to be um, more involved in that and travel the world and just share my knowledge and my experience. So that's number two. My number three goal in life would be to save all the animals that I can. I would love to have a big farm and have as many 
pets on there, mostly dogs um, that I could rescue. And I don't want to be that crazy old pet lady and you know, they're all fucking got mange and cages and <laughs> an animal hoarder and shit. No, they would be very well taken care of and all that. But you know, that, that would be a dream come true. And maybe even if another fourth would be to find a fucking billionaire to finance all this shit, but who knows anyway. So what's the next question? So next question is drunken night. You had any? Okay. Well, what, I mean, that's a statement. Ask me a question, Martin. Right. So what was the worst drunken night that you remember? Oh my God. That I fucking remember or don't remember that people had to tell me the next day. Yeah, that one. Oh God. There's so many. Um, well, once when I first moved to New York, my girlfriend and I went out to a club and got so fucking trashed. We ended up sleeping in my, my Escalade. And it was like 11 o'clock in the morning the next day we woke up in Midtown Manhattan in my truck. And I was like, oh my God, first thing I did was grab for my jewelry. I thought maybe somebody had robbed me. I don't know. Like we were just dead in the fucking car. Um, another time. Hmm. I probably, I'm not going to say any names, had sex with someone that I would have never had sex with sober. That's for sure. And fucking regretted it. Oh my god, oh, nasty. Um, another time, I threw up in someone's bed that I was fucking with. That was very embarrassing because you know what it was? I smoked weed after I was drunk, and I was so nauseous I couldn't even make it to the bathroom. How fucking gross! So embarrassing. And I liked that guy too, but I never talked to him again because I was too fucking embarrassed. Oh man, you probably missed a good opportunity. Oh well, nah. I think he's a dope, dope fiend now. I heard in Baltimore. This was when I was younger. He's a fucking junkie now. So yes. I did myself a favor. Right. <laughs> so I have another question for you. What outfit makes you look sexy? Do you know? What outfit do I think makes me look sexy? I mean, pretty much anything I put on. It's like, um, I got that body. I got that voluptuousness. I'm five foot nine. I'm 200 pounds. I do plus size model. That's not even a joke. I really am. Um, actually, I think the most sexiest I look is when I'm trying not to be too sexy. Like when I'm wearing something tight but conservative. Like, you know, a tight dress that just has a hint of cleavage um, that shows my ass, that, you know, slims my waist. But something that, you know, that's grown and sexy. Not like the fucking $5 club dresses off of Instagram that are made out of fucking do-rag material. Um, that's not hot. You just look cheap. There's a difference between looking sexy and there's a difference between looking cheap. So I like to be classy, conservative with a little touch of, touch of Beyonce sexy. Oh. Hmm, okay. 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 So I have another question for you. What stretches you out the most? What stresses me out the most? Fucking driving in New York City. You know, Martin. I hate driving. I mean, and God forgive me for complaining. Thank God I'm able to drive. Thank God I have a car. But I'm telling you, I never want to kill so many motherfuckers until I'm in that New York traffic. Tolls, buses cutting you off, cabs. I mean, it's enough you want to fucking murder somebody. Road rage to the 10th fucking degree. 
then looking for parking when you're in a rush like it's enough to fucking make you need you need a drink by the time you get to the city like that stresses me the fuck out and the other thing that i hate is a pet peeve when people say they're going to do something and they don't do it like that fucking makes me not ever want to talk to you again like don't don't even open your mouth to offer me something or if i say can you do this and they agree to it then they don't show up or they have some fucking lame excuse i will dead you because my time is valuable and i take that as a sign of disrespect so this shit is whack so <laughs> that's crazy like when was the first time you broke the law Damn, it's been so many times. <laughs> um, I mean, broke the law and got caught, or broke the, just broke the law. Broke the law in general. I mean, I was a major shoplifter when I was little. My mom used to take us shoplifting and shit, and stick shit in our, you know, in our jacket pockets. I mean, I had every Cover Girl, Maybelline. Fucking lipstick, eyeshadow, magazines, batteries, you name it. Because, you know, there wasn't security like there is now. This is like when I was younger, um, like late 70s, early 80s. And then me and my friends would all go to the mall and shoplift. We did get caught one time at Caldor. <laughs> and I was scared to death. Um, they pulled us in the back. And, um, you know, oh, you're going to go to jail and all that bullshit. You know, they try to scare you. My girlfriend actually had the whole Timex watch display inside of a baby hamper. That's how we got caught. And she was trying to wheel it out of the store. And I was just walking with her because <laughs> she was pregnant and she had mad baby clothes in there and stuff. So that's how we got caught. But anyway, they let us go. So that kind of had me shook. And I was like, yo, this shit really ain't even worth it. Um, but yeah, I've been kind of breaking the law a long time so, not anymore i've cleaned up my act but you know growing up the way i did i grew up kind of hard in baltimore city so it's just all there is around you is a lot of crime so it's just what's the thing to do so yeah hmm okay 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 so what is the five things you can't live without the five things i can't live without number one hot sauce I live for hot sauce. I've even been to hot sauce tasting festivals. I can eat hot peppers raw. Number two, my dog, Marge Tiffany, the queen of all chihuahuas. I mean, I got this dog modeling. I've had her on television. This dog, I have put her on the map. Um, my dog is my life, as if anybody knows that. Number three, I can't live without crab legs. I love seafood man i fucking love seafood i can't live without seafood i love crab cakes crab dip crab legs you name it anything i love shrimp i love scallops i'm always at city island in the bronx a lot of y'all see me over there um i can't live without my wine that's number four i love a good merlot i love a good pinot noir a malbach and I, oh champagne wine and champagne they're neck and neck I'm, i even have a little champagne glass tattooed on my back and i love when i go to paris that when you go to the clubs they they come out with champagne like everybody drinks champagne over there dom p so i love it it's just fucking fabulous and number five dick <laughs> I can't live without it. I mean, you, you gotta have it. I'm sorry. You can't live with it. You can't live without it. But, you know, um, 
yeah, I definitely am a very sexual person. Um, I enjoy sex very much. Um, I have a very high sex drive. Everybody knows I date younger men because they have more stamina. So um, definitely those five things, I'm good to go. Definitely dick, my dog, hot sauce, seafood, and wine and champagne, I'm straight. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, so tell me, I know you traveled all over the world. What was your best traveling experience and why? Um, my One of my favorites was staying in the red light district in Amsterdam. And I went with a group of eight dudes. I was the only girl. And we didn't even book a hotel. We got over there and just found one right um right in the red it was the hotel Damrak right there in in Amsterdam and uh what an experience because we were staying right by all the windows you know where they have the working girls and stuff like that and before I got over there I was like man this is a bunch of hoes and all that man I have never seen so many beautiful women in my life I mean if you want to be a trick and pay for pussy Amsterdam is the place to be because they have it's like a shopping mall of vagina these women are in these windows, like say, you know, you walk past one window, you might have a long haired Asian woman with the long nails and a silk kimono. And then next you'll have like a lady sitting on a chair with her poodle, like on an old fashioned telephone. Then you might look down into a basement window and then there's like three hot blondes that look like fucking Victoria's Secret models with push up bras on posing, you know, with just the top of their jeans unbuttoned. Everybody has a gimmick. And then you see their pimps, you know, watching the window across the street and shit. It's pretty rough over there. And, you know, the weed is excellent. I'm not a smoker. I haven't smoked weed in years. But when I was over there, I was smoking every day. It was just a different kind of weed. And going into the hash bars and being able to order whatever I wanted. And um, it was just, that was a great, great experience. That was a great trip. And then I have to also say another great trip I had was staying in the south of France. I stayed on a 2,000-year-old wine um, old winery that they turned into like, it was like a chateau resort now, like luxurious and just fucking fabulous. It was so beautiful for me to open up my window and see like the, the trees where they, you know, the, where they grow the grapes and just beautiful, like just the history and, um, you know, then driving down to the beaches, the nude beaches and all that, just fucking fabulous, man. Just a whole nother level. Like people think they're balling over here. Like, nah, like when you go to like the French Riviera and shit, you see real money, you see real fucking ballers. Like it, not no fucking low budget bullshit, I can't. <laughs> so yeah, so no, so those have been some great trips, definitely. That's good, that's good, okay. Where have you been, Martin, that you like? Where's your favorite place you've been? To keep you the book, I haven't been nowhere. I don't like traveling outside the country because you might not come back. Why? I heard a lot of things. Like what? You get killed over there. Killed over where? Over where? They hold you over ransom. Mexico, Honduras. You can't look the way you look over here. You get robbed. So many shit. So why don't you just go somewhere like, I don't know, Jamaica or something no, like that? No, no, That's even worse. No, I've been to Jamaica four times. For real? I ain't never had a problem. I mean, they hit you up for money. Right. You know what I'm saying? But because mm -hmm. you're a tourist, but I mean, whatever. But I ain't never been robbed or nothing. I don't know. Right, so right. next question. Right. So listen, what was the most embarrassing moment? And keep it a buck. Most embarrassing moment. 
Oh my god. I you know, I don't even know. I gotta think. Um I don't know, maybe I was at I was at the Hudson Hotel with little C's. I was wasted and I slipped and I had a big glass of wine and it fucking flew up in the air. I fell on my back. It went all over people. The glass busted all over the floor. That was very embarrassing. Um, I don't really think I've had that many embarrassing things. I try not to put myself out there. And if I have done embarrassing shit, I was drunk and don't remember it. And I don't even want to know about it. So mm, That's good. That's good. That's not good. That's why I cut down on drinking a lot. I don't drink like I used to. It's just no, not good for you. At all. So anyway, next question, Martin Stutter. So? It's funny, you're not stuttering. Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to stutter. But when you try not to stutter, it's mostly when you do stutter. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. Well, fuck it. So, is it true you was a stripper? Yeah, actually. Um, I was. I, well, I'd like to say an exotic dancer. Yeah, yeah it's the same right. shit. Whatever, same shit. Um, yeah, I was. I started out as a teenager um, in Baltimore, and um, I made a lot of fucking money. Like, I'm not even going to lie, but I'm not even going to sit here and try to glorify it um, to the young ladies that may be um, listening. You know, if you have the opportunity to go to school, stay in school. I didn't, I was out on my own since age, what, 15. So it was a means of survival for me, um, but it was very lucrative. I went from, you know, living in the hood with no furniture and riding the bus to having my first Mercedes and owning my own home very quickly um, from dancing. But you know, it wasn't an easy life. You know, it was very hard to work in those clubs. The club that I worked in, um, the 408 club that I started out in, man, that's embarrassing. That was an embarrassing night. I fucking came in there, um, and then I was like, oh, I need a job. And the lady was like, all right, we'll come back tomorrow night, bring some heels and a G-string, and see if you like us and we like you. She didn't even ask me how old I was. I think I was 16. I don't fucking know. Anyway, so I come in all nervous. The next night, I got some purple Payless, like, two-inch fucking pleather pumps, a polka-dotted contempo casual satin thong, a regular black bra, and a robe. So I get up on stage, and I'm just so fucking nervous. I'm basically just up there hugging the pole. And the DJ says in front of the whole club, loosen up, you look stiff, which made me even more fucking embarrassed. I was like, oh, my God, like, fucking dick. Asshole. Yeah, man, it was a fucking embarrassing though. So it was like, okay, but after I got through that first night, it was it was easy. But you know what I'm telling you, the devil is always hard at work because at that point in time, let me rewind a little bit. Before that, I was working at a store that sold flags at the Baltimore Inner Harbor, and I was making three hundred dollars a week, working like sixty hours. My boss totally took advantage of me. He was a piece of shit pig. Anyway, um, and that's what had given me the idea to go to the strip club was this guy that used to come in selling perfumes and stolen shit was like, damn, you got a body. You should be a dancer. I'm like, what do you mean dancer? Like Broadway, like New York? He's like, no, exotic dancing. My friend Tina works over the block and she makes $100 a night. I said $100 a night. Oh my God, I would work seven nights a week. Wow. 
Like I was like, oh my God, because I was so fucking desperate. Like I was living in the one of the worst fucking neighborhoods in East Baltimore you could imagine. And I was like, oh my God. So that's what prompted me to ever even go over there. And the block, it was, it, it still is in existence. It's a strip of clubs. Um, it's gotten smaller now, but it's like club after club after club of all strip clubs. So, and like, you know, sub shops and shit like that. So anyway, that's what prompted me to go over there in the first place. So after my first night, my first night I made $300. And this is a funny story because I had already made like 200. I was like besides myself because remember now I'm making 300 fucking dollars in a week, busting my ass at this stupid ass store. So right at the end of the night, a guy in the military was a black dude in like a Marine uniform came up. I was on the last stage cause you had to like rotate stages and put a hundred dollar bill in my thong. And I was, I looked down and I saw it was a hundred dollar bill. And I said, sir, sir, you must've made a mistake. You gave me the wrong, the wrong money. He said, no, that's for you. I, I was like, oh my God, somebody just fucking handed me a hundred dollars for nothing. Just because I'm on stage with my top off. I was sold. So I walked out of there with $300. And I believe that man was the devil. I'm telling you, the devil sent that man. Because that was just something to lure me into that life. I'm telling you. But anyway, I was at work every fucking night. And got up and got up and out of the hood. Got a car. Um, was able to take classes. Um, was able to travel. Buy myself clothes. And everything that I wanted that I didn't have and couldn't have that I seen everybody else getting. So I just was beside myself. Like I was really feeling myself. So, um, you know, I started going with my girlfriends. We'd go out of town to Vegas or down to Florida to work and shit like that. So it was a lot of fun. We met a lot of cool people. We met a lot of scumbags and, and, and dirty trash, but you know, um, in that world, you got to really stay mentally strong and keep focused on what your goals on, you know, I know women that are now doctors that own successful businesses and stuff where they, you know, they paid for school and things through dancing. So I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. In my opinion, it's all what you make of it. And it's all what you do with the money. Um, but a lot of girls, you know, they, they just do it to support their drug habits. So that shit's whack. Um, totally whack. But no, I did it for a lot of years. I was very successful. And then when I came to New York, I worked at Sue's Rendezvous. That's how I met a lot of people in the industry, a lot of celebrities, athletes, and stuff like that. Um, made a lot of connections that I still, you know, people that I'm still friends with till today. Met a lot of really good people. So, you know, um, it's a job. It's a job like anything else. Um, and I'm glad that it's more mainstream now because, you know, when I first started, women weren't allowed in the club without a male escort. They didn't want women coming in and talking to the male customers, taking away from our money because we're in there working, working their pockets, basically. So, but now, you know, the strip clubs is loaded with with females so loaded and a lot of a lot of females spend more on the dancers than the dudes so it's all good to me um i kind of miss it sometimes it was a lot of fun i mean i'm basically getting fucking paid to party every night it was it was a lot of fun i had some really really fun times and uh yeah so no that that was cool that was a big part of my life for a long time um yeah that that was definitely something that I don't regret. Oh, and then one time I was up in New Haven. I worked for the Hells Angels up in up in Connecticut. That was interesting. Um, I never felt so secure at a club in my life. People that came in there were very well behaved, to say the least, the customers. So it was cool. And they, they were very nice people. They really treated you really great. Their wives and stuff would come in. They'd have their biker rallies and all that. And very nice, respectful people. So, you know... Um, 
I meet more shittier people in the industry that I'm in now than in that supposed shady industry. I had, you know, met a lot of real genuine people on the other side of things. Now I meet a lot of fucking opportunists, people always wanting something, you know, just a bunch of scumbags in the entertainment business. There's a couple few, they're few and far between, a couple decent people, but nothing to brag about. All right, so listen, I went to a strip club Saturday. I saw like mad butts, like juicy butts. Like, I don't know if they were real, I don't know if they were fake. Like, it was crazy in there. Like, was your butt always this round? Like, tell me what's up. Like, I wanna know. Do you like big asses? Hell yeah. What's appealing about a big ass? Fat and round. Just round, just the visuals? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I'm glad you asked me that question because that's actually kind of traumatizing. Um, I've always been very voluptuous. I've always been had a big ass since I've been, I hit puberty. My ass is a thousand percent real. Um, haters would like to, you know, think different, but fuck them bitches. Um, a lot of so-called white clubs would, you know, would not hire me. They said I was too bottom heavy. I was too hippie. I needed to lose 20 pounds. I'd be perfect. Um just fucking humiliated me and there was absolutely nothing wrong with me at that time i was like one 160 and five nine so i was very well proportioned and very beautiful and um i would get turned away i, I remember i went in flash dancers one night in times square and the guy's like oh go back and get dressed or whatever i got on stage he literally came and fucking yanked me off and told me to lose 30 pounds it's a shame i have a pretty face how fucking disgusting. I left in tears. What a piece of fucking shit. Like, and guys were coming up and tipping me on this audition. Like, what, everybody works at your fucking club's got to be an anorexic? So I dealt with that for so many years. I knew not to even go to Hustler Club or Scores. I would have gotten laughed out the fucking door. They wanted those fucking anorexic cohort looking bitches with the big fake tits. So um, I, I started working at mostly urban clubs and... Um, you know, more ethnic, you know, diverse clubs, Hispanic, uh, more black guys and stuff coming in because they appreciated my physique. They, you know, but even, even if a white club gave me a chance and I worked there, I was the number one top money maker because I was the one with the ass. Not all men want a fucking stick figure. So I was producing, what, what could they say to that? And, but I'd always have to hear the fat jokes or, you know, stop eating. You don't need to order food. It's fucking disgusting how they treated me in that business. Um, but you know, places like Sue's and shit, I was Sin City. I was, you know, perfectly treated well because that was the type of club guys came to see Kirby Latina women or I'm Italian, but I still have that body. So, um, yeah, now it, now it's all about ass. If you don't got an ass, they don't want you there. But you know, back then when I was dancing, I was the fucking outcast because I had a big ass, but funny how times have changed, right? Like it's, it's crazy to me. Wow. But you know what? I probably wouldn't even make as much money now because now everybody has an ass. I stood out back then because I was a white girl with a big ass. So it was different. But yeah, I love having a big ass. <laughs> it's hard to buy jeans, though. They fucking, it's really, they got to be super stretchy. It's sweatpants. Yeah, but still. Mm. So, last question. Did you ever have a threesome? I want to know. Yes, many times. <laughs> I've had 
you know, a guy, you know, me and another girl and a guy. And then I've had two guys. And that's actually one of my fetishes. I really love um, threesomes with two guys. And, you know, I think a lot of women fantasize about it and they would love to do it, but they're just too ashamed to ever try it or even verbalize it. I mean, maybe not everybody, but I know a lot of women that they tell me they would love to try that. Like, it's fucking awesome because when one guy is finished, you have the other one right there. Like, it does, the party doesn't have to be over. <laughs> and all the attention's on you. You're the center of attention. Like, they're doing everything to please you. It's like you're, you're queen for the night. Like, it's fucking awesome. It's, it's great. Very stimulating. Did you ever, like, role play, you know what I'm saying? Like, you was a cop, you was a bad guy, you know? Or, like, you was a doctor... Yeah, I mean, I've tried that with exes and stuff. It just ends up being kind of funny. Because it's like, you just both start fucking busting out laughing half the time. Like, if a guy's really into that, yeah. Like, I did it. It was cool once with my ex, but he really caught me off guard. Like, um, surprised me. I had told him a fantasy of mine. And he hid, hid in the garage with a mask on when I came home from work. And, you know grab me and shit but I wasn't really sure it was him so it kind of really scared me but then when I realized it was him we you know we went through the, the whole little fantasy shit or whatever you know like he was robbing the house or whatever it was stupid shit <laughs> <laughs> he was robbing me for that pussy <laughs> yeah so you know different things but yeah so you know I'm very sexually open and that's one of the things I'm going to explore on this podcast different sexual topics I'm going to have different guests um I'm very much into music. I know a lot of people in the industry. I would like to have some of them come on. Plus, my other, you know, my other passion is food. So, you know, I would like to broadcast sometimes from different restaurants and um, locations throughout the city and talk about what I'm eating and things like that. And, uh, you know, it's just a lot of, it's going to be a lot of different shit on this podcast. Like, I hope you all ready because some of it can be very raw and it's not for everybody. Definitely the 18 and over crowd, because, yeah, I can uh, get kind of, I mean, I can really get into some things. So it depends on the topic, though, but it's going to be fun, especially once I start having some some friends on and stuff. So this is just an introduction. Um, For those of you who don't know me on social media, you can find me on Instagram at Chrissy Monroe. That's C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-M-O-N-O-M-O. At Chrissy Monroe, <laughs> C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-M-O-N-R-O-E. On Instagram, that's on Instagram. On Twitter, Chrissy Monroe underscore. Facebook, Chrissy Monroe. Snapchat, Miss Chrissy Monroe. That's M-S Chrissy Monroe. And what else? Periscope is the same as Twitter. So that's Chrissy Monroe underscore. And what else is there? Oh, and then I got the my domestic violence page on Instagram at survive to thrive global and it's the same um, on Facebook and then I got my food page on Instagram Chrissy's food fantasy where you can see me stuffing all kind of shit in my mouth <laughs> like a fat slob <laughs> I know <laughs> fucking gluttony nasty but yeah so no it's a it's um it's a, that this that's where you can find me and then oh my website www.chrissymonroe.com and my foundation's website www.survivetothreatglobal.org baby donate <laughs>
<laughs> don't hesitate. But anyway, yeah, so I'm going to close out this first podcast. I hope you guys liked it, but it's going to only get better from here. And uh, once I get in the studio and start having guests, it's going to be phenomenal. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Smooches. Smooches. Bye, Martin. See you later.